The title of my message this morning is God has a vision far greater than your sight. And this title was inspired actually by my grandson, Jamin. Jamin, you know, uh, regularly sends me scriptures and thoughts, you know what I mean, that, that uh, have accompanied him and his thoughts uh, with regard to, you know, the word of God and, and his relationship with the Lord. And so uh, uh, this came from a text from him to his grandpa, you know, that God has a vision far greater than my sight. And so we'll look at a couple of scriptures and, and they'll be familiar with you, uh, scriptures that you're familiar with and you'll have a lot of personal insight on them all on your own this morning. But it'd probably be more of a, a stirring up our pure minds by way of remembrance, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, doing, you know what I mean, uh, uh, in our prayer room, you know, moving out of our comfort zones. We, we, we have comfort zones, and, and that's just what they are. <laughs> comfort. Amen? But, you know, we, we belong to a kingdom that, that internally there is a comfort that's to be ours, but externally there are mountains to climb and, and you know, uh, promises to inherit and uh, all of that type of thing. So, all right, buddy. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. How many know that we, if we all had those kind of thoughts toward everybody, we'd, you know, we'd feel better. <laughs> Amen. For you form my inward parts this is all in God's thoughts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. In other words, you are unique. All right? You're not weird. You're unique. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. It's a raw material. And in your book, they were all written, the day's fashion for me, when as yet there was none of them. The idea of life is just to live out what God has already written. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. For we walk by faith and we walk and not by sight. The Lord spoke to me something that is really not part of this message, but I want to share it with you uh, going forward. And he said that love is the greatest antibody against all the ills of man. Whatever that situation is, whatever the issue, if you'll infuse it, if you'll inoculate it with love. We don't have time to discuss the dynamics of love, but I think we can get the message, you know? 
Your situation, my situation needs God's love. And we become, you know what I mean, that by and large, that earthly physician that goes ahead and is the one that injects that love. Love that has understanding. Love that has compassion. You know, love that has an embrace. Love that has faith. For faith works by love. Yeah. Amen? And so I just encourage you today, whatever the situation may be, if there's a crisis, even if there is a victory, and somehow you inject the antibiotic for any of life's ills is love. Helen Keller said this, the one thing that's worse than being born blind, of course she was blind, born blind, is having sight without vision. We read in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, that where there is no vision, the people perish. The idea there is that when people do not accept divine guidance, it's not so much and always about, you know, not seeing a future, but abiding by the word in the present. Yes. Because it says, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. He's saying you perish when you go it alone. When you have no restraints in your life from the word of God. When the reins are loose when there's no bridle, when they dismiss God's instructions. And so what would that tell us then? It would say those that are traveling, you know, and you notice the, what the end is going to be, we must somehow get them into the word. So they're not going it alone. David said, my, thy word have I hidden my heart that I may not sin against thee. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And remember, on the last Sunday, we talked about how that the word of God, you know what I mean? The scriptures, they are like street lights. And the more of the word or street lights that you get, 
lining your pathway, the more safe and secure, you know, the journey is. We're all going through life. But we need street lights to lead or to lighten, to light, excuse me, not lighten, to light that pathway. Yes, street lights. And that's why you want to bring, you know, to people to get so they have some street lights. What's going on? Well, we can light, put up some street lights. The word of God. So visualize how, you know, how important that is. And uh, out here, we don't have many street lights, do we? <laughs> but if you go into the cities, you know, and what an amazing difference street lights do for you. So think of the word of God. Think of, you know, when you read the word, when you establish a truth, a principle that you are erecting a street light. And then we can go and move that to that street light, let your street light so shine before men. Hallelujah. So it, it, it's, you know, that, that light is, doesn't have to just simply be reserved for you in your path. It can be advantageous, you know, to someone one else, someone else. Yes. Now, he also said this. I don't know why he said it, but he said, retirement is not a vision. It's a season. It's not a vision. It's a season. I don't know. He's trying to get me up and giggling, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So, I mean, it's okay to have a season, but you also need vision. Amen? So... That vision, that spiritual imperative, which is a dream on the inside. That power of perceiving something that's not actually present at the present or in the physical eye. We know that as believers, our vision needs to come from the word of God. For it is the foundation of every inspired vision, the Word. It has everything to do with vision. The Word of God does. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, in that day there was no open vision for the Word of God, you know what I mean, was scarce. 
sparse. There wasn't much word being present. So there was no vision. Yes. Vision is more than the future. It's an inner disposition. It's what lights the inside. Oh, yes. It lights the inside. And when there is light on the inside, the eyes of the heart begin to see beyond the horizon. Vision is so important because it forms our priorities. An improper vision, when that happens, it distorts our priorities. Jesus said that there is a priority with regard to the kingdom, and that is the kingdom must be first. Life will get easier when the priorities are right, when the vision is right. For all these things shall be added unto you. You get a divine helper with regard to all those things. When we have improper vision, that distorted priority leads to friendship with the world. And then friendship with the world leads to being an enemy of God. James chapter 4, verse 4, Romans 12, chapter 2. I hope that's not too hard, but I didn't write the book. I'm just supposed to preach it. Without a biblically grounded vision for life, we will succumb to every fantasy, every fiction appealing to the flesh. So we want to have proper vision. So how does proper vision start? I believe it starts with spiritual meekness, humility. God gives grace to the humble. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. What that means is you will receive the highest of blessing. We know that meekness and pride, they just 
They're not brothers. Scripture gives us the parable of a story of, in Luke chapter 18, and two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, Be God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. You know, this guy's an extortioner and that guy's unjust and this one's an altar and even this one, you know, He's an unjust tax collector. But do I know God? I fast twice a week and I give my tithes of all that I possess. Then the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and who humbles himself will be exalted. The posture of the heart, the position of the heart. Spiritual meekness. Paul said, I'm the greatest of sinners. The greatest of sinners. Do you ever just get on your knees or in your posture and visit that once in a while? As Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? This battle that's going on inside of me, when I would do good, evil is present. Whether it's you or somebody else, when you see a battle going on, it's a real battle. You know what I mean? And you can't fault them for the battle. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. We come with this new year. Of course, it's not, it's not only a new year, but it's a new decade, and, and resolutions are made. And about three and a half hours out, they break them. <laughs> because we just can't do it. We can't keep them. We want to. Paul said, he said, when when I wanted to do good, evil was present with me. How am I going to make this work? See, if we just understand people, you know what I mean? Here we are, Christians. Paul's a Christian, and he's going ahead and saying, you know, it's still there. And so when we deal with people, you know what I mean? They're in the battle, and they don't really have any connection at all. They don't know. And so they just struggle in life. You know what I mean? And I haven't talked to too many people that have woke up on Monday morning from just, you know, 
not happy about the weekend, I, you know. <laughs> but there are those that do that. They're not happy about the weekend. And they repeat the pattern. How many tears have been shed and how many repentance have been made, you know, with spouses and whatever, you know, okay, I'll never do it again. Please applaud, you know what I mean? And yet they do it again. Because there's only one helper that really can, you know, balance out the scale, and that is Jesus Christ. That's why he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Yes. So how do we actuate spiritual meekness? I believe that, that spiritual meekness refers to being willing to share and to sacrifice on behalf of others. When you walk through the Beatitudes in Matthew there, where it says, blessed are the meek, it follows it up. with a serving menu. Oh, yes. Always turn to God. He'll help. He'll give you direction. Turn to him and just because of the sheer blessing of life. It's so important how you see that vision because it's the big picture. Because vision, sight, dominates 80 to 85% of our perception. Naturally speaking, so think about it in terms of your spiritual life, your vision life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Where are those thoughts coming from? Probably a heart condition. The importance of vision is because vision leads. It doesn't follow. It leads. Vision. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Vision. It may be small. It may seem insignificant, but its power and its potential is revealed in the seed. The seed, the pine cone that contains a forest, the apple seed that contains a whole orchard.
Do not despise small beginnings. Except a corn of wheat fall in the ground, it abides alone. But if it dies, woo, the offspring is amazing. The offspring is many, and the offspring is also so mighty. Power of vision. That thought that became God inspired. That promise, you know what I mean, that became a rhema word to you. So, how do you get the forest? Out of the seed. How do you turn that, you know, that seed, that small vision into its full potential or capacity? It has to have the right environment. Yes. What you're carrying is important, but the environment with regard to what you're carrying is also important. Except the corn of wheat fall on the ground. Isn't it interesting? The great redwoods. That seed lays on the ground. It does nothing to germinate. Because the environment has not yet been created to unlock it. In the destructive force of fire (laughs) comes across, but it releases. A redwood that has the potential to grow to enormous size in enormous ways. What is the first thing you do if you're a gardener, flower keeper, or whatever? that after you get it planted or ready that you pray for. Yeah. You need an environment. You need an environment that can, can unlock it to, to release it, to cause the germination to take place, to cause that, that shell, if it be in a shell, to open up. Environment. (sighs) 
You see, the vision is actually inside of you. Yes. The dream of God is inside of you, not outside of you. We work on the outside so much when we need to go ahead and concentrate on the inside. How? Paul said that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope. What is hope? The future. It's beyond the horizon. That we might know the greatness, the awesomeness, and he begins to point us to the, to the resurrection power. He said, do you realize how much power is available to you? One of my favorite scriptures, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There is a seed power inside It needs to have an environment to break out. You see, your God's dream for you, the vision that God has for you, is so important to God that He hid it in a place where He knows you couldn't miss it. It's within you. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Where does that come from? Inside. Oh, hallelujah. Please understand my next statement. God's hid your future inside of you. He wants to unwrap it. Let me tell you something. You don't need to look for a prophet. You don't need a crusade. You don't need a religious leader. It's not in them. It's in you. Yes, they may help awaken it. But ultimately, you have to know. Am I making sense? Yeah. You don't want to, you know, downplay what's going inside of you, that awakening and that, that, those thought processes and, you know what I mean, and, and how that word is working and in, in, in trying to bring, you know, a, a promise to the forefront. It's about awakening your heart because when your heart is awakened, you know what I mean? Your outlook begins to be, become brighter. It does. That 
hope for a better future. Now, faith is a substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. Church, saints of God, it's time to let faith become our eyesight. Yes. Don't let what your eyes see cancel out what, your vi- what the vision that God has given you has revealed. It can cancel it out. We walk by faith and not by sight. God knows what's possible in you. And he's uniquely designed you. The vision, it's not your job. It's not your role. Nor are the results the vision. Vision doesn't change. It simply develops. They are just, you know, the, 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 the vehicles of travel, the, the daily, the moment. Vision is more than your job or your role or looking for results. It's your life purpose. Your life purpose. In life purpose, just simplifying it, and in, in, in everyone would have some details, but is to help people. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Hallelujah! When you serve and serve in love, you are developing or walking the vision of God. Yes. Hallelujah. God wants us to see the future like he sees the future. Amanda sang so beautifully about this. God is the master builder, the perfect planner. He's the passionate artist, the original designer, the patient sculptor, and he is the creator. And God has called every Christian to do something special, something mighty, something unique, and something that makes a difference. Yes. How unique you are to think that of the billions of people on earth and there is not one fingerprint that's the same. Interpret it. God. He made you. He's, you're not a duplicate. You're not a copycat. You're not a counterfeiter. Somebody give a heart of praise this morning. No, you're not. You're not. Hallelujah. You know, you hear it today, and it's, it's so much of what you hear, even in the secular world, is, is embodied in truth from God's word. 
be who, be, be who God made you. Be who you are. They just don't say God made you. <laughs> because they think that you just kind of got there somehow by osmosis. You know what I mean? And, uh, that gift of the Holy Spirit, that Christ in you, that carries the flame of God in your soul is uniquely and specifically designed for your body. Paul said that there's a varieties of ways that the spirit works, but it's all the same spirit. One does it this way, one does it that way. You know what I mean? How many know everybody doesn't sing the same, everybody don't play the same Everybody doesn't prophesy the same. Everybody doesn't pray the same. I don't mean we're just not the same. (laughs) But the flame of God. That unique flame that he's placed in you. That's the flame of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it my way, and I can't do it your way. But you know what we can do? We can do it together. Honoring, you know what I mean? And recognizing, we can put our flames together. Shall, you know, Paul begins to paint the picture of the, of the body of Christ, you know what I mean? And one is this and one is that. And he says, just because you're not that one, you know, are you not of the body? You know, you don't have to detach. You don't have to feel at a distance. You don't have to believe or feel that you're an outsider just because you're not doing an inside job. I don't know if an inside job's a good thing anyway. <laughs> but I'm trying to get us to see that that Holy Spirit, that holy fire is unique to you. I grew up And I don't fault my generation. It's all a learning curve, okay? But, you know, when we worshiped, we worshiped all the same. Mm-hmm. It was almost mandatory. You had the, you had the, you know, if you lifted your hands, I better lift my hands. You know what I mean? And we were even wild enough to dance back then. <laughs> my body just won't handle that anymore, you know? <laughs> But I've learned that, you know, that because your expression is not identical to mine doesn't mean that that's not the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean, that's unique to you. And you as a vehicle of expression. Yes, hi there, you're unique. Amen. Hallelujah. So the vision... I think that God is trying to convey this morning is, you know, it's not something that you're going to do with the vision of, you know, who God has made you. God, no one has the same 
flame. It's the same Holy Spirit, but not the same flicker of the flame. Now, it's been tailored. He's made that wonderful gift in you for your life purpose. You know what I mean? And and, and for your life. And nobody wants to be my sister, Naomi, do they? (laughs) I mean... only handle one crazy person in this congregation, right? (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. In that Psalms 129, it shows you that that whole format, that whole pattern. I fashioned you. I planned for you. So the fashion and the planning, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? The planning came first, and then the fashioning in order to fit that plan came afterwards. Yeah. Life is a life of discovery. How God sees the future. Romans 8 says he foreknew and he predestined. He's not playing catch up. Psalms 147 says his understanding is infinite. Acts chapter 2 verse 23 says, you know, he, he works by a determined purpose in the foreknowledge of God. We see and view life as it's happening, as history has taken place. God, you know what I mean, has already seen the history. And that's why his advice is so important. That's why this book is so important. That's why it fits, you know, is, is every every future. Don't have to have a different plan. Did you know that your well your long term future is totally secure in Jesus Christ? Your short-term future is dynamically empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered by hope and not harm. By good and not evil. Why don't we just walk it? Why don't we just walk it? Hallelujah. Vision is what holds your future. Sight is merely seeing in the moment. Vision is the anticipation of greater prospect. Sight is just simply taking life as it comes. 
vision is taking life and making it a stepping stone to the future. All the greats, all the leaders, the future lies within you, then before you. Sight wants it before us. Vision tells us that it's in you, and then it develops before us. Vision always inspires investment. Yes, it does. It always inspires investment. You remember the, the, the ten spies that, couldn't, that wouldn't go up? They weren't willing to invest because they, had, they didn't have vision. They had sight. Joshua and Caleb had vision. They were willing to in, invest. Yes. Requires... Investment. I have a hundred notes, so you bear with me here. Vision is more than just being passionate. Vision must have commitment. Many people have potential an unrealized vision, and they're passionate, but they don't have commitment. Yes. I asked my musicians to come this morning. Let me talk just a moment while they're coming about generational purpose. It says in Acts 13, 36, and David served his generation by the will of God, then fell asleep, was buried with his father, and saw corruption. It's no mistake you were born for your generation. Yeah. You have a place. You have value in the plan of God. What God has invested in you and your gifts, it contains what God has been planning to express in his purpose and grace for creating you. You will touch people that the next person can't touch. You are unique. You're not weird. <laughs> Generational purpose. So stop wishing you were somebody else. 
Yes. No, you don't want that. This is not a season to hate yourself. This is a season to discover your future. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Not just the human body, but the divine investment that God has placed in you. For in the image of God created them. He them. There is an image of God that he wants to reflect from your life, from your activity. There is a revelation of God. That's just right for your generation. And Verla is doing the kids. She's just the right woman for it. You talk to her, she feels so inadequate. She feels, you know, that it's bigger and, you know, Sometimes we feel the lack of our giftedness, but may God help us to recognize the power of our giftedness. Yeah. If I took those kids, they'd come one time. Seriously, they would. The only kids that really come close to me are my grandkids. Don't you just love those people that everybody loves? Yeah, everybody loves them. I had a father-in-law like that. Everybody loved him. He didn't think he was doing anything in his own mind. You know what I mean? He felt like, you know what I mean? Yet, when he was there, everybody gathered around him. (laughs) He would sit there in the church in the seat and the tears would just flow down his cheeks. I don't know why I'm crying. times he was just fully embarrassed that he was crying and, and nobody else was crying but everybody looked on him with such endearment thank God God never took away those tears because he was uniquely divinely anointed in those tears and you could go I could go with each one of you as you stand with me this morning It's not so much this morning that that God is saying, I want you to be able to see or have a vision about the future. I want you to see the vision in how I look at you. 
I want you to capture the uniqueness of you. So that you can become a more perfect reflection. Of that in the image of God. You have been. Created. David. You know God likes you. He really likes you. And, and, and he just made you, you know? I mean, you grew your own beard. He didn't do that on you. you, you know? But, but you know, the uniqueness of you. What are we going to sing? Because we could just keep going. But I, I, I think you're getting the message. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. We should not frown down or look down upon anybody. Now, I'm not saying that everything, you know what I mean, that we project is God. <laughs> but he kind of gets us ironed out. After a time, he gets us ironed out. It takes some time for us to develop. You know... To the, the place that God has placed us and what God wants for us. Did you know that David was king for many years? And he operated as king, he functioned as king, he ruled as king, but inside he didn't feel like he was a king. One day, I don't know what was going on or what happened. But it says this, that David realized he was king. You see, when you, he realized he was king, then he could enjoy being a king. Otherwise, before that, it was always a pressure. It was always, you know, a performance was always this. But when he realized he was a king, oh, hallelujah. There's a settledness that came into him. Glory to God. And, you know, he didn't have to show himself powerful. He was just powerful inside. Sing it again, the first verse. Hallelujah. The same God that was behind the creation of the world, the sun, the stars, and the moons, is the same God that's behind you, your creation. Amen. Go with God, because God's going with you. Amen. And the future is one of, what is it? Hope. <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. Plant that in your kids. Plant that wherever you go. Amen. Live it like you, you know what I mean? Like you believe it. Let it be contagious. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming out.